So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Uh, sometimes you just need to get that extra little bit of sleep. And if you need to snooze, we'd rather you did it at home in your warm, comfy bed than doing it in our hard, uh, less than comfy pews. While we're preaching. While we're preaching. Yeah. Right. You can even sleep in our pews when we're not preaching. That's fine. That's fine. We can always catch up with the sermon later right here on this Sunday morning sleep-in podcast. Now, you're still going to miss out on the intergenerational community and the love and support that comes along with that. You're going to miss out on, you know, all of the kids that run around and say crazy things and the cookies, which are so much part of the culture of being a Methodist after worship, cookies and coffee. But, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or perfect preachers, but we are folks who are doing this day in and day out, and we want to share what we're thinking about with you. Uh, We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or coaching a soccer team or maybe just sleeping in, uh, you can keep up with some of the ideas that are floating around the church. So each episode is a conversational version of what we talked about on Sunday morning. And so whatever day it is that you're tuning in, get comfortable and uh, turn your brain on to hear what we have to say. Yeah, and and please turn your brain on because the whole point of being a Methodist is, you know, you don't check your brain at the door. We want people to be engaging with these ideas, which means if you disagree with us, we're cool with that. Uh, we actually don't really cool. We don't that. need a bunch of people running around who agree with us. We need people who are engaging thoughtfully and what it means to be a person of faith. So uh, we encourage you to question, to disagree, to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world that we know as God uh, moving in your life as you consider this. All right, Susan, it's the third Sunday of Advent. It's December 11th. Yep. And what that means is we're almost all the way to Christmas, but we're not there yet. Nope, we're still not in this there yet. Waiting period and of time. And this year, it's even even more not there yet because of Christmas being a Sunday. Yeah, Christmas is a Sunday, so we have extra time. Have a little bit weeks, of extra time, two which whole weeks. So I'm grateful for as somebody Amen. who has to plan ahead. So we're in the third Sunday of Advent, and many churches, this is the week of Advent when everybody takes a break from repenting and thinking about why exactly we need God in our lives to celebrate and to uh, to lift up joy. Yes. Yes, uh, that's what we did at my church. But in my church, we're weird, and we're following a book that has things in a different order. And so this week we talked about love. Aww. So the first week we talked about peace. The second week we talked about hope. And this week we talk about love. Um, and the scripture that we use to do that is Matthew 11, mm-hmm. verses 2 through 11, mm-hmm. which is sort of a combination of two little stories about John the Baptist and Jesus. So, last, When they're grown up, right? When they're grown, they're grown up now. So okay. the Just first checking. story about John the Baptist is Elizabeth is pregnant with John. The second story about John the Baptist is this crunchy vegan yelling in the wilderness. Right. And the third story about John the Baptist is when John has been arrested... Okay. Uh, he's been arrested because he's been calling Herod Antipas out. Antipas uh, was a, the guy who was sort of the Roman puppet. Right. He was the king of Israel, but really he worked for the emperor. Right. And for Caesar. And 
Herod didn't like that John was calling him out, but he kind of liked John. John was this really dynamic figure. And so he, he sort of had a little man crush on John, but John was also saying, get your stuff together. Mm-hmm. And th- so he had Not, to throw him in jail, right? which has the double benefit of um, keeping him off the streets from spreading uh, garbage around about Herod. And the and then close to Herod as well. So Herod, whenever Herod wanted advice, he could just go down to John's cell and hang out uh, and talk to him a little bit. So if that's not twisted, I don't know what is. Oh, totally twisted. But in any case. But totally human. But totally human, right? So last week we talked about John in the wilderness helping us to understand that the way we live our lives matters. And so we need to be thoughtful about how we do that. We need to consider the ramifications of the work that we do and the things that we say. And this week, we go from having this super confident John in the wilderness to a John who is in prison and beginning to question, really Mm -hmm. beginning to doubt um, whether or not Jesus is exactly what he was waiting for. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is supposed to be the Messiah, the one who comes in and rescues the people of Israel, the one who comes in and upsets the Roman Empire and overturns everything. And so people had a lot of expectations around what that would look like. That it would look more military? Some people thought it would look more military, yeah. Or, you know, superhero-y. Like like Jesus was the vision. Or Iron Man and was going to come in and, like, fix everything. Um, Although if you follow the Marvel series, you know that the more superheroes get involved, usually the more complicated it gets. It doesn't actually simplify anything. Yes. Well, thinking the magical thinking of a magical answer doesn't usually work. Right. And you could get me distracted talking about uh, Marvel superheroes all day, but I'm going to help us keep moving. Um, So John goes from saying, what you do with your life matters, to saying, is what Jesus doing really matter? Is that... Mm. Does that actually matter or is that not exactly what we want? Right. So John sends his uh, cronies, his disciples, <laughs> his apprentices, his posse. His apprentices, his posses. His, not, not his henchmen, his but crew, his, his crew. Okay. His crew. To go talk to Jesus mm-hmm. and to, to ask him this question. Are you the one we were waiting for or should we look for another? Now, if you're Jesus having John send this message of like, you are not what we want is probably a huge disappointment. Yeah. Uh, So John's disappointed. Jesus is disappointed. They're probably frustrated with each other at this point. And this is the story. And then Jesus goes on to talk about um, who John is and and why, why what John thinks is important. Mm. Right. Anyway, the story that I was telling my congregation this week is that Scripture includes these moments of doubt and questioning for a reason. It would be really easy to sugarcoat the story and say, and John thought Jesus was great, and Jesus thought John was great, and everybody was happy. But instead, they include the story of John really asking, who are you? Because the other part of that question is then, who am I? Mm. If John's identity is tied up with Jesus, who are you? is really a way of saying, whose team am I on? Whose side am I on here? And is it worth it? So we talked a little bit about Brian McLaren, who wrote a book called Naked Spirituality, which talks about the seasons of faith Mm -hmm. and how doubt 
is a really normal and necessary part of a life of faith. Yes. Um, that we sort of go through these, these phases of being really excited about our faith, really digging in, and then usually running into some kind of a question that gives us pause. Right. And that maybe we can't find the answer to. Peter Rollins talks about it as as the felt absence of God. Mm. So you can try and earn and earn and earn like this deeper faith or this deeper relationship with God. But you realize that you can't force it to happen. Right. That we don't control God that way. God is not manipulated by us. Right. Even even in all of our good, our good doings and all of our good thinkings that, that we will enter these seasons of doubt, of felt absence. And that coming out of that season could take, a week, a month, a year, uh, you know, it's unpredictable. Right. But that usually it doesn't end up with us having our questions answered. Usually it ends up with us saying, I'm okay with living in the mystery in that area. So I sort of have three buckets that I put my beliefs in. Okay. I have the, I absolutely believe it bucket. Okay. And these are axioms. Mike McHarg, by the way, has an excellent doubt series on his website. And he talks about the axioms of his faith. And he basically says, Jesus is at least <laughs> I like that. a teacher who started a movement that changed the world, right? right. That's true. Right. Even if you don't know about the divinity of Christ, even if you don't no. understand resurrection, even, right. even if you're not on board with all the rest of that, Jesus is at least right. X, Y, or Z. Right. And even if that's all Jesus is, this is how it benefits me to study Jesus. Okay. So yeah, he does totally that with God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, prayer, um, sin, like he sort of defines all these things based on what he can concretely we, prove using science okay. and then deciding, is that enough? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have my bucket of the things I'm sure about. Okay. I have my bucket of the things I absolutely disagree with. Right. Pretty much any religion scholar on Fox News goes in that Amen. bucket. Right. Amen. Um, so then, so then we have the absolutely believe it, the I don't believe it. And then there's this other bucket of, I don't know. The mm-hmm. mystery bucket. The mystery bucket. I like that. The mystery that. bucket. And I put a lot of things in that bucket. And I put some things in there because whether or not I believe one thing or another, it doesn't change my practice. Right. So whether or not I believe in the full divinity of Christ, Christ. if I'm still following his teachings, if I'm still um, trying to live a life of sacrificial love, mm-hmm. uh whether or not I believe in the divinity of Christ doesn't matter. That's God's business, not my business. Right. Like, right? I don't actually have to know. I don't have to know that. I don't know how to, I have to know on a cellular level I don't how need Jesus to, exists. Yeah. I don't need okay. to know the geography of heaven. Really? I don't need to know. There's a bunch of things I don't care. Like, I just, like, they're, yeah, they're big mysteries. They're interesting, mental How this things. all ends, that's one of those ones for me. Yeah. Like, I put it in the mystery bucket and I say, you know what? I might come back to that and play with it, but... If I know it, if I don't know it, that's okay. Right. And sometimes I put things in that mystery bucket uh, because they don't matter. Sometimes I put things in the mystery bucket because they really matter and I have no control over them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I put things in the mystery bucket because I've been sitting with these questions for so long. That you got to And I don't know what to do with them. And so I just take a break from them for a little right. while. And that's okay too. So John is in scripture. One of the paragons of what it means to be a person of faith. And he is experiencing this doubt about who Jesus is. And so he sends this question, who are you? Are are you really the guy that we're waiting for? And Jesus responds with the most annoying Jesus-y answer in the world. Oh, God, I love it when Jesus does that. Yeah, Jesus never answers your question, right? Jesus answers 
well, what do you think? <laughs> Which is so perfect. Oh, it's well, so perfect. And it's, it's so real. Right? It's so true. Like, so true. It's, it's exactly so true. what what we actually say to people. Yeah. Right? And well, it's what exactly what I've experienced God saying to me. Yeah, absolutely. So Jesus says, well, what do you think? And then he tells his fo- the John's followers to go back to John and tell them what they have seen and experienced. And what they have seen and experienced are... Uh, lepers, the lame, the blind, everybody being healed, people finding uh, their connection to community restored, uh, people being taken care of even when they're not capable of taking care of themselves. They see the evidence of community functioning to care for community despite the fact that they live in this oppressive regime, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that the government is not on their side, right? They see people coming together and doing this work and they see Jesus at the center of it. And so the question Jesus is really asking is, is that enough for you? Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons that we experience disappointment is because we have expectations. Patience. Ooh, yes. And John has this expectation of what Barbara Brown Taylor would describe as a tsunami of change happening. Right. He wants Jesus to come in and he wants immediate results. He right. wants everything to be fair. He wants Jesus on the throne. He wants everybody to be listening to God. He wants this immediate revolution. Right. And what he gets is this, not a tsunami, right? but this steady drip, 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 drip. Right. of grace. Individual by individual, individual, Jesus is transforming lives and changing community. And it's incredibly disappointing. Yeah. It's incredibly disappointing when you want this systemic overhaul to take solace in changing one moment of one life at a time. Yeah. One of the tools that I use in marriage counseling is called an expectations inventory. Mm -hmm. It's also a management tool. I learned it from my dad who was in local government for a long time. And it involves, you can do this at home, although I suggest waiting until after the holidays when stress levels are a little bit lower. Yes. Um, Expectations inventories. You just take a piece of paper and you fold it in half. And on one side of the piece of paper, you write all of the expectations that you have for your business partner, life partner, spouse, kids, whatever, right? Um, You write all of your expectations that you have for that person. And on the other side of the paper, you write all of the expectations that you have of yourself. And you ask them to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then you compare lists. Right. And what this surfaces are our hidden assumptions. Mm-hmm. If we're doing it really intentionally, if we're, if we're being as concrete Indeed. as possible, right. um, it, it surfaces hidden assumptions. Right. Like, so, it, so it surfaces like the hidden assumption that we're going to spend Christmas every year with my mother. Yes. Well, right. I, yes. I probably will spend Christmas every year with your mother and then the day after Christmas with mine. But that's geography more than anything else. And that has nothing to do with our actual expectations. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like as, as a married couple, like you're looking at something. And I think this is one of those key places in relationships that we have that, that uh, rom-coms yeah. do nothing for us. Oh, my goodness. Right? Because because yes. you're right. Because you can't the, fall in love with a ghost? Is that what you're telling me, Susan? Yeah, she can't fall in love with a ghost. Christmas is my life right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> but... But that, that we that we carry these expectations, and not just in marital relationships, and sibling relationships, and friendships, and in work relationships. Who initiates right? the phone calls? I can't talk to you about how many people I talk to who say, "Oh, well, I do everything for my friends, and my friends don't do anything for me." And I go, "Well, have you called them recently?" Well, they never call me. Have you called them? Like the phone works both ways, both and ways. so checking your expectations. 
right. is super important. So yeah. the example I gave was of me and my dog. My current life partner is a boxer named Squirrel. She's six and a half years old, and she thinks that she needs cookies all the time. Yes, she does. I think she needs cookies when she's done something I've told her to do. So this is, uh, we have some assumptions here that get checked, and it causes her great disappointment. And she usually lets me know because she cries at me. Um, mm-hmm. And I usually let her know that I'm disappointed when I check her free time. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing these with a spouse is usually a little bit more high risk than high doing risk. it with a dog. but And more complicated than a cookie. But. but I sort of wonder what would happen if you sat John the Baptist and Jesus down at a table and you gave them a piece of paper folded in half and said, tell us your expectations. Yeah. Uh, what would be on John's list? What would be on Jesus's list? And they really wouldn't match. They might not match. And th- and thus the source of their disappointment with each other. This time of year, I also talk to a lot of people who are trying to get into the holiday spirit and they mm-hmm. just can't get there. Yeah. Maybe their kids have moved away and they don't have the whole like Santa farce. Mm-hmm. Sorry, kids, if you're listening. Maybe somebody important in their life has passed away mm-hmm. in the last year. Yes. And it's changed the way holidays are celebrated. Maybe there was a divorce in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, But big changes tend to change things like this. And we have this built-up image of what the magic of Christmas is supposed to be like. And it disappoints us when instead of the fireworks show and the warm glow, we get kids squabbling at each other and a baby screaming in a manger. That our expectations of what this looks like matter yes as much as what we do and say yep um and so the sermon really was about whose side are we on are we okay with being on the side of a god who works in drips i recognize that so hard right yes um people are have been experiencing a lot of disappointment after the election yep right and and wondering what do we do where is our agency in this well it might not be that the government will save you even if your candidate had won it might not be that the government would would save save you. you and things are serious but there's also this steady drip 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 of people doing the work and getting organized and finding um, that community has power mm-hmm. yep. that changes landscapes. Right. You know, that it changes whole landscapes, even if it's not all at once. And even if it's not readily visible, like that we have to wait to yeah. see the result. Like, I think that's our hardest thing in our modern culture is we have this expectation that change comes and it looks dramatic. Yeah. And that... Um, that the kind of change we're looking for in people's lives and in, is radical change, a 180 flip. Yeah. But the reality is that most people never change that way. They yeah. change a tiny turning at a time. Yeah. And it takes us a while to evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does. It takes doing really intentional work and finding the tools that help you be more self-aware and more self-governing and have more self-control and, and more openness towards other people. Oh. Like all of that is real intentional hard work, work. Um, yeah. and that you know that that takes time yeah so and then time seems to be the one thing we don't have at this point of the year right that, that of this course. that's why our expectation is immediate right because yeah. the year is winding down and and we're in the midst of all that yeah we're like ah. and december 31st is the day that you evaluate your progress oh yes to what see has changed what, what have you year? did you did you live into your goals <laughs> Are you still going to the gym three times a week? Yeah. Are you still dating that guy you thought was dreamy? Right. Are you, are you, are you? So yeah. 
So our expectations around this time of year are really important. And I think the expectation of transformation happening, uh, even if it's good change, like good change comes with grief. Yeah. Right? So even if you've gone through a bunch of really good changes, things are still different than they were. Yes. And even if they're better now, it's okay to say, man, I miss whatever I had to give up. Right. In In order order to, to make things the way they are. Yeah. This is evident for me when I look back at, I have the Time Hop app, right? And I can go back and I can see everything I posted on this date since the advent of social media. So for about 11 years, I can go back and see everything that I posted. And the way that I use social media has changed and that has been intentional. Going from, I'm going to share every thought I have every minute of every day to I'm just going to share things that I think other people will find interesting (laughs) to I'm going to share things because I think it would cause people to ask questions that it has changed the way that I live my life in that venue yeah, Um, and in other venues too. It's just real obvious in that one. So as we experience this transformation in our lives, the transformation that we're hoping for as people who practice Christianity is that we will be made more and more in the image of Christ, that we will be more loving, that we will be more generous. And really the idea that Jesus for us represents love incarnate, that we are being transformed into the image of love, which is what we're lifting up this week, that we are being transformed into that image and it can be a slow process and that's okay. Yes. That there is grief involved and that's okay. Okay. That there is change involved. And you might not like every aspect of that change. And that's okay. Yeah. But that we are, like John the Baptist saying, is this worth it? Is this? What what it ends up being, is this worth it? I really think that the more people who live into an attitude of sacrificial love, of putting the good of everyone in front of their own good, of doing that work, I really think that changes the world. That is what changes the world. It's exactly what changes the world. And so I think it's worth it. But you get to decide that for yourself. You get to wrestle with John the Baptist this week, and you get to decide if this Jesus is really somebody that you can get behind. Jesus ends his conversation with John's disciples with this little phrase that I absolutely love, which Blessed are those who take no offense at me. Mm. In other words, I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do. And whatever your expectations of me are, I am so centered in who I'm called to be and what I'm called to do in this moment that I won't even let your really well-intentioned pressure change that path for me. And I hope that you find a way to get over that because that's how it's going to be. So blessed are those who take no offense at me. And that's how we, that's how we left it on Sunday. Like change is coming, change is happening. Are you okay with that? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, seems good. It's hard stuff. It's not exciting stuff. Like it's not like, let me tell you a story about a preschooler who dropped his sculpture. But it's sort of, it's, it's the everyday (laughs) stuff. It's the everyday stuff. Yes. Yes. And we, and it's the decision making we're making every day. Yeah. Right. And I think it really helps me be open to people in my life who I have expectations of. Right. So I hang out with some really great friends and who have amazing families who are very loving and supportive. And that's what I see because I'm an outsider. (laughs) And then sometimes, you know, I go home and I visit my family and there's the all, you know, the all present 
a little bit of drama, a little bit of tension, Mm -hmm. and things don't meet that perfect kind of family standard that we see in movies. And I kind of go, okay, you know what? That is an unfair expectation. Right. Because my family is human. No. (laughs) And they've got their own baggage and they've got their own issues they're working through. And I have to go in with the expectation of they're going to be who they are. And I'm going to be who I am. And blessed are they who take no offense at me. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So, which might be another good thing to remember this time of year. Yes. All right. So, anyway. So that was my week. We'll be back midweek with another episode, which will include Susan's sermon from Sunday. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been talking about that you want to share with us, shoot us an email. We are at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook. The scripture that we used today is Matthew 11, 2 through 11. You can find it online or in your Bible uh, in the New Testament. Matthew would be the first book book of the the New New Testament. Testament. Good good, good guidance, Chris. Yeah, the theme music that you heard is Take Me Higher by Jazar. So, it's traditional at the end of a worship service that there would be a blessing. So, Chris, what is the blessing that you would have for our listeners today? Yeah, check yourself. Check yourself. (laughs) I feel like that's all of Advent, check yourself. So, the the homework again that I give my congregation every week is to go out and try and love every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it, which has a lot to do with what our expectations are of if you are a loving person, that doesn't mean everybody is loving back to you. So, have patience with yourself. Have patience with the people around you and know that we're all in the middle of this drip, drip, drip of change. It takes a while, but we're going to get there. The landscape will change. Amen. Amen. Amen.